Ah, hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. It's Sleepy Doctor Who again. It is Sleepy Doctor Who. Usually, during, uh, I noticed like you were slightly sleepy last episode when we watched three episodes of the War Games, and then by the end of the pod, not even by the end of the podcast, like four or three, three or four minutes in, you were perked up. So this is a this is always a fun thing to to watch you perk up as the podcast goes along. Yep. I'm not very perky right now, but we did just watch episodes five and six of the War Games. That's right. Spanning two different discs. We had to switch discs mm-hmm. to uh, to resume. Old fashioned. I, that makes it reminds me of um I haven't watched it on Netflix yet, but there's the extended editions of the Lord of the Rings movies on Netflix. And I've never watched those films without having to change discs in the middle of them because there's too much mm-hmm. to go on. Even on the Blu-rays, they, they still put them across two discs. So I should watch those one day on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Then I wouldn't actually have to stand up and take the thing out and put the other thing in. And you know how it goes. It reminds me of watching laser discs where you would have to like, you know, uh, one movie would be on like three or four discs and you would have to <laughs> flip it basically every half hour. That's like an eight track. Sure. If you remember eight tracks. But the picture was so good, man. It yeah. looked so clear. Was it really that clear? Uh, it was, I mean, it was like, a, I think it was maybe DVD quality-ish, but they didn't have the technology to compress it enough to get it all on one disc oh. at the time. So it was giant. I still have, I have the laser disc of uh, Return of the Jedi, the original version. Do you really? Is it in our home somewhere? Yeah, it is. Where? I think it's under the bed. What? Really? I think so. Or oh, or maybe it's um, maybe it's with uh, some other stuff that I haven't gotten around to hanging up on the wall in the closet in the podcast studio. Yeah, I've showed it to you before. It was it was one of my old roommates, and he didn't want to keep it anymore. And I was like, I'll take it. Actually, he gave me a bunch of laser discs. I had I had several other ones, but that's the only one I kept. I think some Doctor Who came out on LaserDisc too, but I don't know which ones for sure. I think Day of the Daleks maybe, hmm. possibly. Uh, sure, whatever. <laughs> sure, whatever. Anyway, War Games didn't come out on LaserDisc. It did come out on DVD, mm-hmm. and we had to switch them, bring it our background. Um, so episode five uh, resumes with um, the, what happened at the end of episode four? I don't remember now. How did the, what was the cliffhanger? It wasn't Jamie getting shot, was it? No, that was the end of episode five. What was the end of episode four? I'm so tired. I can't remember that long ago. That was like a whole hour. 47, I don't know how many minutes. I can't do math. I'm too tired. <laughs> I know. I don't remember. Um, but uh, there's there's some um, running around in the headquarters, basically. But the, most of the action is taking place here and a little bit in the barn with some some strife in between the uh, various members of the resistance and Von Weich, Weich him, um, being all very um, snooty and trying to take over um, various aspects of the resistance and failing. So that that's basically what's been going on these past two episodes. I do appreciate that, you know, we were talking in previous podcast episodes about how every time, you know, our, our main characters and our heroes think they're getting somewhere, they, you know, open a door and, oh, nope, that didn't work, or something happens to, to foil them. So, like, they get to the, you know, they manage to achieve the thing that they are trying to achieve, mm-hmm. but that ends up not getting them anywhere. And I like the fact that the same thing happens to the bad guy there <laughs> because of on what, wait, what, whatever his name is, um, Mr. Monocle, Mr. Monocle. Yes. So Mr. Monocle is 
you know, he's been captured and um, by like the middle of episode six, he's got uh, David Troughton watching over him with a gun. Yep. First on screen speaking role. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, showing a lot less thigh than he will be <laughs> in a future episode of Doctor Who. Hashtag teaser. <laughs> and I do mean tease. Um, <laughs> the look on your face is priceless. Um, so... Uh, and he manages to David Tryon's character Moore is yeah. uh, stupid. He, gullible. He's young and gullible. Okay, fine, sure. But we'll use that word. He he manages to uh, not let him get away when he gives him the water, but then when he asks for his monocle, like, mm-hmm. why do you? Why would you give him his monocle? What is he? What is is he reading? Like, what does yeah. he need to? What does he need to see? Um, so he gives him his monocle, and at first it doesn't work, but then he keeps pressing over and over again and he he gets to the point where he achieves what his goal was just like our heroes have multiple times and then just as he achieves that and he's about to get the gun um the um the green box appears we now know it's green because they they specifically called that out and uh and yeah and it foils that that bit of his plan and then we get you know another fight scene in between the uh um Russell and more until more comes back to his senses and and kills Mr. Monocle. Goodbye, Mr. Monocle. Yeah, he's he was sort of like um there is sort of like an ever present threat of the the race that's sort of been running this um you know been prisoner but still has sort of like seemed kind of in control this whole time and it seemed inevitable that the only way they were going to dispense with him or or defeat him was to basically just shoot him dead. And he never crack. It's because he never cracks. Yeah, like he's just you know he he. It's clear that this character feels that he is superior to all of the the piddling little people around him. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to say I'm not a fan of adding a scar to a character to make them you know somehow look evil. Like the the idea that that scarring and deformity is. Something to to make you uh, make a give you a visual indicator that he's a bad guy. It's that that just it very much bothers me. It's a it's a very classical thing to yep. do, isn't it? Yeah, dating back many many years. Yep, yep, yeah. not cool. Um, although I, t- it was interesting. This, the picture is so crystal clear. Talking about different uh, <laughs> types of media, that when you get you know a really good close up on his face, you can actually see the um, the prosthetic that they use to sort of put the scar on him and the the see through tape yep. that goes over his eye to sort of like pinch his eye down to make it you know look like the scar tissue is is pulling at his skin. So it's like that, you definitely would not have been able to see that um, on a television in nineteen. 19- 68 nine nine wow yep yeah i know i i do love the those little bit you know uh you were pointing out that the in the little mind processing room Mm -hmm. um i love the sets we've been focusing on the sets uh, on the last episode but how you pointed it out i never noticed before it's just basically most of the sets are black drape there's so many sets to make that the designer um is very efficient and then most of them are black drape and he just sort of changes the stuff in front of them for instance the the interrogation room is a bunch of spikes but there's also like uh sort of a wall of just sort of silver spikes kind of like a framework in a way um and then all these weird little spikes and so it's a quick little way to create a different room without spending too much money and in the mind processing uh they're like hanging balloons essentially aren't they yeah they look like you know great the 
like great big, not like party balloons. We're doing like big, big, you know, and not as big as a weather balloon, but, you know, no. kind of in the middle. So like a baby e- rover. Exercise balloon. Is that a yeah. thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the sort of the size of an exercise yeah. ball that you would that you would sit on at work yeah. <laughs> these days. I'm probably not at that time. But uh, yeah. but yeah, but they're just but just balloons and you can kind of see them shifting and sort of moving back and forth and like turning and like what a great. And I mean, we can see the the string or the wire that they're hung by but again at the time you wouldn't have been able to see that they would have just been these sort of hovering balls in the background it's just it looks so cool it does yeah i would love to see i i don't think we've ever seen that many um on set photos in color because i i would love to see what the actual colors like the interrogation room is one of the most whacked out sets because it's got that cool like guillotine door and then a big giant spirals essentially like rings on the on the walls and that that pattern like then continues onto a part of the floor which which has got like the spirally stripes as if the wall stretches down onto the floor but then there's part of the floor that's raised and it's just it's really cool it is cool um uh what else oh yeah i I also the the scientist character Who's one of my favorites? Uh, I I forgot what happened to him, and he's sort of like his last scene. I think is basically discovering that the maybe he comes back. I can't even remember that the mind processing machine is gone. But he's got this weird glass, and this might have been something that you wouldn't have been able to tell in 1969 televisions. He, but the middle of his lenses in his glasses are not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's basically looking through nothing. Yeah, I I feel like that's a thing that was on purpose and that you were supposed to be able to see just because I, I feel like it's another strange, just, you know, sort of costuming technique. We, you know, think about the other glasses that the, the people are wearing with the, you know, just the big white things with yeah. the little crosses in them and stuff. So I think, I think maybe that was, that was on purpose. I don't know. I, I almost think that perhaps Vernon Dobchev, um, the actor, uh, like couldn't see out of the glasses and maybe asked them to to drill holes in them so he could see that doesn't make any sense you could get glasses even at that time with just window glass in them so you just be able to see through them so i i think it was on purpose because they there are enough close-ups on him that i think you would have been able to notice if you looked closely but then you look at james Bree playing the war chief and then later, Philip Maddox, spoilers, has similar kind of like Coke bottle lenses as to kind of like that is their shtick because they are you a said, race of people who... You said war chief, you meant security chief. I meant security chief. I'm sorry. Yep. Um, that, you know, they have, those are the hypnotizing glasses and maybe everyone who is in a position of power wears them and Vernon Dobchev didn't like them. I, this is me hypothesizing. I'm not too sure. But his glasses aren't thick around the edges. They're no. just thin and I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, Verna Dobchev does happen to be the first person in Doctor Who history with his back to the camera <laughs> and almost throwaway dialogue to mention the Time Lords. Yeah, that's that's quite a moment. Like, it, And his delivery is, you know, it it's not not entirely a throwaway line because it's it's delivered with some gravitas yeah yeah they, they are, they're sort of talking about like his his own people when they're talking about um the war chief and then fine you know they've sort of been alluding to it over the past couple episodes but finally goes you know do you think he's been trying to bring his own people the time lords it just that it was important but it wasn't like played up to a big yeah. thing which indicates how like not like if that was like 
today mm-hmm. it would be a big dramatic zoom there'd be a music yeah. swell or something like that but it's just sort of dropped into conversation mm-hmm. uh and now doctor who is officially never it has changed forever now thanks to that yep it's yeah. pretty neat <laughs> it's pretty neat also the uh i sense malcolm hulk's hand in the design here in that he is very good at instead of creating like evil and good and have all the evil people be evil there are certain disagreements within the ranks mm-hmm. with the with the security chief and war chief really being the big antagonists towards each other in these two episodes mm-hmm. i just remembered the uh, cliffhanger at the end of uh, episode four it was carstairs about to shoot zoe right. which is a thing that i had forgotten that he actually does pull the trigger and just you know the, the gun happens to not be loaded but holy holy cow like they really had him had him snowed under and then so th- and then that leads to zoe getting questioned which is ex- that's where the, like the fracture happens yes. between the security chief and the mm-hmm. war chief and yeah that's what i like I, I think episodes five and episode five is very pivotal when it comes to taking the plot and shifting it in yet another direction yeah. because that's that's where we get um, we don't really understand until we we have more of the dialogue in episode six, but you can definitely tell that the security chief is 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 hiding something from the war chief mm-hmm. because he's not telling him everything about uh, what Zoe said about the TARDIS and coming from the twenty first century and all of that. And at first, you wonder is it's just like I was even. I've seen this before and I was still in my head. I was still thinking, oh, he's just the security chief is just so sure of himself. He's just he's ignoring everything that Zoe said that doesn't fit into his narrow, rigid worldview. Mm -hmm. And he just thinks he genuinely thinks that they came from 1917 and she was a nurse. And it's his his foolish pride is going to get the better of him. And which is. I can't believe I thought that. Like, I don't know how many times I've seen that like episode at least twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we get to episode six and we realize, oh, no, he was hiding that information on purpose because now he doesn't trust the war chief. The war chief isn't one of their people. Mm-hmm. He's now we know a time lord. And um, is they're wondering, does he have ulterior motives? If he was a traitor to the time lords, could he be a traitor to them? He just wants power. Uh, so being you know the security chief's got some um he's got some ambition he sees oh there might be another space-time machine that we could get control of we need to find out what's what's actually happening here and i don't trust him so i'm not going to give not going to give mr sideburns uh any more information than i absolutely have to yeah and then he also secures um the, the scientists uh yes. cooperation and all this either by coercion or by browbeating i'm not too sure but he's definitely the scientist is very like uh stammering and sort of taken aback and sort of like trying to cover up his lies when mm-hmm. the war chief sort of presses him on it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah he's not as as good a, a dissembler as the uh, security chief is and he eventually has to come out with it and be like well it seems like this guy hasn't been processed before because apparently once you've been processed mm-hmm. that uh special hat version two uh shows you somebody's brain a, yes. a side view of somebody's brain, even though you're looking at them um, from the front of their head, which mm-hmm. is a little creepy. Uh, but if you haven't been processed, it looks like a bad game of Tetris or something. Yeah. Like, it's just blocks. It's just blocks. Jamie's brain was blocks, basically. <laughs> yeah. Jamie's a blockhead. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it was. And that was enough to tell him. Yeah. Speaking of blocks, yeah, that's yeah. just another set thing. Um, there, The room... Gosh, I, I'm... 
the it's a, it's a room where they are where the war chief and the security chief argue at some point um, has th- these walls that are like textured yeah, yeah. and it just it kind of looks like somebody just took a bunch of wooden blocks like the kind that you know like babies play with alphabet blocks but not with letters on them like about that size like little wooden blocks painted them all um like silver or something kind of shiny and then shoved them all kind of into a wall or put them on dowels or something like that so that they were all sticking out at not exactly the same angle yeah. so it gives just a really cool pattern like i would totally dig a wall like that except the dusting it would be a pain in the ass yeah. A lot of Swiffers you'd use to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also like their, the uh, the wall in between um, the one room they're in and the, and the processing room mm-hmm. is, you know, basically the doctor's sort of looking at it in a way to get through there. And he's basically going, it looks like vacuum form plastic, doesn't it? Oh, there's some sort of metal bits around the wall. He's basically describing the exact set that they're looking at. <laughs> it's probably not plastic, though. It was probably, it was probably like um, plasterboard or wood or something. Oh, I think it was. I think it was really? plastic. I think uh, the vacuum form plastic. Yeah, they were using that in sets. I think at the time. Wow. So he's literally just describing the set. Yeah. That's like, and how delightful is it that, of course, the doctor has tape and scissors and wire, wire. in his pockets. Yeah, the, the the amount of stuff I've never really noticed this before until we started doing this podcast. So how much stuff he pulls out of his pockets during the exact time that he needs them in Doctor Who episodes. Also, this is the first time that we see the song. Is this the first? No, we've talked about this before. Yeah. The first time we've seen the sonic screwdriver used for something other than screwing in a screw. I think we last time we talked yeah. about this, we we couldn't remember if it had been used for something else. It was Dominators, and it was uh, doing some torch action. I think it was. That's yeah. Okay. Yep. That's right. All right. So this is the first time that we've seen it used for something other than screwing in a screw yeah. or being like a torch. Um, yeah. yeah it, it can work as a power source. Yes, to sort of like short out the thing between there yeah i like the reveal when the war chief finds out it <laughs> was so good yeah. because you know you're you're starting to get a little bit of a showdown between the security chief and the war chief and the security chief being the only way they could have left was through a time yeah. space machine or space time machine and the uh the war chief like he actually looks a little bit concerned at first because mm-hmm. he doesn't know exactly what's going on with this, this doctor fellow um he recognized him but so he's looking around like maybe that's the case and then he gets to the wall and he realizes it and the camera goes from one room to the other room so you see the camera like kind of over his shoulders he's about to pre- to push down the uh the wall and then boom you get a crash cut to from the other side yeah. of him pushing it down and saying you know really really snarkily i'm sorry to what i can't remember yeah. the exact line but rain on your parade so to speak yep, yeah basically yeah and it's a nice cut that's actually a live action cut too from one to, oh yeah absolutely the ca- camera whatever is lined up mm-hmm. to get that shot through wow. the thing falling down mm-hmm. to see the war chief and then the security chief in behind i guess i guess it would be yeah now that i think about it, that's 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 some excellent work right there. Man, multicam drama is a ballet mm-hmm. that requires rehearsal for the actors and the camera crew. And so when you see stuff like that happen in real time, it gets, gives you an extra appreciation of their hard work. And the switcher. And the switcher to switch it. Boom, right there. Yep. You know? Yep. And, you know, and the director to, to make the call those, uh, you mm-hmm. know, camera ready one. Take one. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone's got, you know, the script sort of written out and the camera things and they all know what's coming. But, uh, yeah, I, um, if I could go back in time, I'd love to just sit in the control room of a, <laughs> of a BBC television center control room to see how they direct Doctor Who live. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, that would be cool. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what happens when you say about episode five being a pivotal episode with the relationship between the war chief and the security chief is that the the driving force for the for the last half of the story essentially happens here, and that when the doctor sort of discovers what the what the um, the scanner, the little mind probe, so to speak, is for, and he notices that there's all whole bunch of resistance members, and he says, "There's a whole. This is all resistance members. What we have to do is unify them, mm-hmm. and that becomes the driving thing. Let's get a resistance together yeah. to fight the the people who are doing this." Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, Zoe is instrumental in this because she's got her eidetic memory. So because yeah. she's seen all of them, she knows who they can trust mm-hmm. in every zone. So I think that's that's cool. I think I feel like Zoe maybe gets a little bit of a better end of the bargain in this uh, than Jamie does. Jamie had some some fighting, um, although he did, does almost get killed. He does get killed, but you know he uses that. You know it's actually his idea. You know now we can actually use this green box machine to go back to the headquarters and and do some damage and 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 he does Mm -hmm. yeah he and lady jennifer have to try to convince uh you know russell and the the rest of the civil war folks like and it's funny how i i quite like the uh the writing and and how they just don't get it like you (laughs) think that they've finally convinced them like to understand and then they say yeah we're gonna set up a perimeter around the outside of this building and blah 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 blah. and then jamie says no but if the box comes back then they'll be able to get it you know then they'll be able to attack us from the inside and russell goes but they'd have to get through us to get inside like he just doesn't understand it which is quite quite charming and funny yeah he's still a 19th century soldier and you can't Make him think any other way, I guess. Yep, and I, oh, I, I, I don't like that Lady Jennifer doesn't get to go along with. You know, she wants to and yeah. she tries, but and <laughs> stupid Jamie, like, yeah, you're a lady, so yeah. you shouldn't come along. Um, Russell, on the other hand, actually has a very good reason for her to stay behind. If he's he's got a lot of wounded soldiers, and she has skills um, that are probably far superior to what the Civil War um, nurses would have known how to do. Yes. Anyway, oh, I did. Um, a couple of um, tours when we went to Washington, D.C. on a school trip. Um, We went to Gettysburg and some of the stories about like, you know, the, the field um, surgeries and stuff were graphic and yeah, intense. So, I mean, not that she would have had any better tools to work with than, right. than what they had in the Civil War, but I feel like her skills were very, very much needed. So it was good of her to go. But her, her, you know, tell Carstairs that I'll see him when you all come back. Like, yeah. she, she loves him. I know. It's all very sweet, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. She's, but she's a, she's a proper British soldier doing her duty. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Yeah, she sort of. Oh, I suppose you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, I'll do my duty, and mm-hmm. so we never see her again in the story, sadly. But yeah, that is probably the most heartbreaking thing of all because she is my favorite of the side characters. Yeah, and I think the last female character, apart from Zoe, yeah, in this story yeah. too. So no surprise there. Nineteen sixty nine. And a story is centered around war. Yeah. Like, I mean, women actually had a much bigger part in wars than uh, than we often see on television. But like televised, you know, fictionalized versions of war don't uh, tend to dwell on that as much as as mm-hmm. much as real life 
would have. Yeah, certainly be uh, back in their home countries too mm-hmm. with all the men going off, women uh, mm-hmm. mobilized and became a very valid working force and was, I think, probably a uh, big reason as to why many women got the vote in different mm-hmm. countries around that time because women haven't voted uh, for almost, you know, the for le- they voted for, haven't voted for less than 100 years basically. As we record, it is now two minutes from the end yeah. of International Women's Day, so happy yeah. Mountain Time. Mountain Time, yep. Yeah. Uh, happy International Women's Day to all of you women listening. Yes, mm-hmm. and to one half of the women who are in this story and are no longer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, on behalf of uh, Lady Jennifer, mm. happy International Women's Day. Yeah. Uh, anything else about these uh, these two episodes you want to talk about? Before I noticed you've perked up, as per usual. A little bit, but not as much as usual, because okay. I do feel like I could just lie down and sleep. Right. Um, I, I, I still very much enjoy this story. Um, and yeah, I do feel like we, we sort of hit a, a pivot point and that's that's always exciting. Oh, we haven't even talked about the, speaking of set stuff, the refrigerator magnets. <laughs> Gallifreyan technology. Yeah, it's pretty great. Because it's not Gallifreyan yet. It's no. just Time Lord technology. Yeah, I do love that uh, when, when the doctor sort of goes in there and sort of adjusts uh, the time caps to go in, Zoe sort of, you did that rather easily. Yeah. And, he, and the doctor sort of tries to, dance around that before getting yeah hmm. they are they're planting very subtle little like i i think i would not have noticed that line in particular probably mm. uh watching this for the first time if i didn't sort of know the history and what was what was coming so i, I appreciate the the very subtle hints that they are planting um you know the look back and forth between the war chief and the doctor and that line and the doctor being worried about you know this technology and knowing mm-hmm. it and the sound effect of the TARDIS landing every time the green box uh, comes and goes, yeah. which is like, that's a, that, that's probably the most obvious of all of them. Yeah. It isn't quite the same TARDIS sound yeah. effect, but it certainly is very yeah. similar enough for you to recognize it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, I, I love the fact that that the technology is just like a bunch of weirdly shaped refrigerator magnets and there's like this one extra like he's he's the tech who you know brings it in and and sends it off and like that's if i had to have one job as an extra in all of doctor who that's the job that i would want i would just want to be sitting there and playing with like i'm sure they just told him just put him up there in shapes they didn't give him any particular direction on how to do it so the Time Lord technology was actually developed by that guy, that guy who doesn't have a speaking role. But, you know, the foundation of Time Lord technology comes from this this one extra. Thanks. Yeah. Mister. Although he is he in that same episode within minutes of each other, he's basically wrestled off the uh, off his post mm-hmm. by um, Jamie and the others. And then he's shoved out of the way when the war chief yep. uses the controls to shrink the capsule at the end of episode six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was probably directed. Like, you know, you're going to take it and move it this way so that the camera can focus on the right spot of it. But just like the general layout, I'm guessing, was probably some set dresser uh, in in concert with whatever movements that that one guy made while he was on on camera. And he's always just like, he's got like a bucket. I love that. There's like a little tray. They just keep putting magnets up. Just like, ah, what what bizarre and wonderful (laughs) technology. It's like refrigerator poetry, but just yeah. with shapes. It is, yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to mention actually was from previous episodes. We never mentioned Hubert Rees playing, um, what's his name, the, the little uh, desk jockey. Yeah. 
basically just his scene mm-hmm. um somebody reminded it on twitter about when he's talking about shovels 100 mm-hmm. shovels we lost 100 shovels in the last push and how he thanks lady jennifer for you know not many women uh, understand the, the you know logistics basically mm-hmm. of war yep actually i i really really liked his character as well because he just he was he was the kind of guy that i would be like i just want to keep everything straight i want to you know write down my numbers um make sure that the general is apprised of of details and just like yeah like i i feel you buddy like i feel like if he was around now he would be a spreadsheet jockey like he would have everything organized by spreadsheet and we would be soulmates Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah he would be i think he comes back later on i don't remember it's funny. As I've often said, this podcast makes me think more about the episodes that we watch than I sort of originally mm-hmm. thought. I never thought about it too much. So I'm I'm looking forward to see what comes in the, the, the last four episodes of this story, which we'll probably watch over the, the course of the, the weekend, probably, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, certainly within the next few days, mm-hmm. because we're running out of time. I don't... I, I kind of hate that we feel like we need to hurry through this because I don't want it to end. But at the same time, it does a little bit also feel like ripping the Band-Aid off because it's a painful thing to say goodbye to a doctor. And uh, maybe it's a good thing that we're just sort of forced to do it because otherwise I could see myself very much dragging my heels. I can't even count the number of video games that I have played (laughs) right up until the end and then not finished because I don't like endings. So, yeah, that could have been troublesome. So it's it's a good thing we're on on the clock. Which is the one that you were playing a lot and is it Dragon Age? And then the server like went kaput or something? <laughs> Dragon Age Origins, which is like, it's a decade old game. Yeah. I'm very, very, very late to it. But many people told like had said it was good. And I managed to not get spoiled about stuff about it. Um, so then I started playing it and I just absolutely fell in love with it. But then I had some mental health issues and, and took a break from it uh, for a while. And then finally I was like, yeah, I'm feeling good again. I'm going to go back to playing. And yeah, the um, because I had downloaded some downloadable um, contents and right. DLC uh, and paid for that. It's I believe it's the DLC server that's down and because I had some of that in the game that I was playing, I can't launch my game. Oh. I could start over from the beginning, but I just I can't bear to do that because then maybe Alistair wouldn't be the same character. And I love him so much. Please do not tweet about tweet at me about this game because it's yeah. possible that someday the server will be back sure. up and I'll be able to finish it and I don't I don't know how it ends. Um so in, you know, I have plenty of headcanon about how it should end, yeah. but we'll, you know, maybe someday we'll see. Or maybe some, no, you know, I'm not, I, I have thought about watching a playthrough and I'm like, no, I can't do that because it wouldn't be my Alistair. And it would be the end. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. That's why I wanted to bring yeah. up is that the, the server crashing mm-hmm. or being turned <laughs> off was an easy out for you. It gave you at this one time, apart from all the other 80 games like Skyrim and all the other ones that you started playing. And Chrono Trigger and Shining in the Darkness. and Ultima 7 or no, which one are you playing on your computer that one time for the longest time? Yeah, I mean, I have finished Ultima 7 multiple times, but the the most recent time, yeah, I got towards the end and then I just didn't finish. Although that one I should because there's an Ultima 7 part two, just like there's a Dragon Age 2. Yeah, there's a Dragon Age 2 and 3 after that. So... So there are, you know, you've you've <laughs> often just stopped short as to not, just like I did with my Doctor Who blog all those years ago, mm-hmm. uh, which maybe one day I'll finish. Uh, there's only like literally 12 episodes left uh-huh. and there's still the t- my TV movie review, mm-hmm. review sitting there 
in the draft. It's been, I wrote it years ago. It's been waiting to be posted. Um, wow. Yeah. So, but we're, we will finish the Patrick mm-hmm. Trout era. Yeah, we will. You know, maybe um, our, our membership drive month is, is coming up starting right. in, in uh, next week, I think it is. Uh, maybe you should make that a reward if... Uh, <laughs> It's somehow if if we if we could pick some random number of uh, of people to to be new uh, lazy Doctor Who members and backers, and then you'll finish your uh, your blog. <laughs> After all of these years, the chronic hysteresis will come to we we we, we will waggle your tail <laughs> and get you to finish it. Reference acknowledged. <laughs> I'm actually quite proud of myself for that. Okay, now I'm perked up. There we go. Now you're ready to go. Let's watch three more episodes. <laughs> no, we won't watch three more episodes. But we will watch some more as we uh, as we ring out the new year. Not really. 1960s, almost at an end, uh, with four really great episodes coming up. Here, here. Here, here. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>